Hello and welcome to another edition of our Millennial Talkcast. I'm Louise Travers, the Marketing Director here at Crystal Brook Advisors, and this week we're going to be discussing with Lloyd Reeve, Sales Manager at Capital Economics, also a fellow Brit, all about his first 18 months here in New York City and the things that you really need to know, but he didn't when making the decision to cross the pond. So Lloyd, thanks so much for joining us today. I guess the first place to start would be to really hear a little bit more about Capital Economics and your role and really the reason behind your big move to New York City. Hey Louise, um, sure. So Capital Economics, uh, where to start? The, the short synopsis is, is that we're a, a macroeconomic consultancy. We were, we were started in 1999 by a gentleman called Roger Bootle. Um, then there was a, a team of three Fast forward to now, we're about 150 strong uh, with offices here in New York. Uh, London is home for us, as you can tell by the accent. Um, and we have offices in Toronto, Singapore and Sydney as well. Uh, the pretense of the organisation is we, um, we provide independent macroeconomic research to uh, a number of financial institutions, big corporates and anyone really interested in the key financial markets and the key big and major macro drivers affecting them. Okay, so really what was the kind of the move behind, you know, coming to New York City? I'm assuming it was obviously to do with capital economics? Yes. Um, in a nutshell, we, we've always serviced the, the North American market from Toronto. Um, so around about two, two and a half years ago, there was an, an executive decision at, at board level um, to open up an office here in New York because we, we, we really only sort of scratched the surface of, of the potential of the, of the target market here. Um, like I said, the guys in Toronto did a fantastic job, but it needed some uh, good old-fashioned boots on the ground, as Americans would say. Um, so we opened up an office um, cool, around about uh, 18 months ago. Um, myself, uh, another fellow Brit, Benjamin, came over with me, uh, and there's another economist who opened up the office. We've gone from three of us um, to now where we stand, there are eight on the sales team and there are four economists that support the group here from the New York office. So it's really a, a strategic decision that, uh, that made us sort of open up the office here. Okay, and obviously, you know, as we previously mentioned earlier on in the, in the talk cast, I guess it would be good really to understand kind of the things that you either found challenging when you first moved over here or you know just really things that you know people that are thinking about moving from London to New York what they really need to know and you know top tips from you as the person that's kind of done that sure sure so um wow so when I arrived um I I I literally stepped off a plane grabbed a couple of hours sleep um I remember the uh, the, the constant questioning that I got from the immigration people. Um, again, just to give some context, the first time I'd actually been to New York. Um, so to be greeted um, by the immigration guys, um, questions, thrust into a, a taxi. Like I said, I only managed to grab a couple of hours sleep and given the time zone difference uh, from back home, I was, I was in the office and interviewing for, for new people on my team. I, I suppose that the key thing that I, I cast my mind back really was the importance of a social security number um you take it for granted i'm old now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, compared to compared to some but um i never realized the importance of a social security number i got i i mean again 
coming from a, from the UK, we're issued with a national insurance number. I think when we get to the age of 16, and that stays with us for life. Um, and it's always there. It's a figure and a number that uh, that I don't necessarily know off the top of my head, but I know where I can get hold of a copy of it if if required. Um, so here, when I, I first landed, again, the, the equivalent here is a social security number. And I remember my the office manager at the time and the head of the, the office um, instructed me to go and head down to one of the, the various sort of social security offices. Uh, and I remember filling in a ton of forms, standing in queue and thinking, Christ, this is a waste of time. I, I literally have, have landed here and I've got work to do. Not, I don't want to be sitting here and, and waiting around in a queue. Um, had in hindsight I probably should have I should have gone better prepared I, I had all of the, the various sort of documents and forms but as you can imagine when quizzed by someone behind a glass door uh, as to where my my various I form was or my W form was or something else that I'd never never really appreciated or, or even knew about and um, so I cut long story short multiple trips to and from a social security office and hey presto two to three weeks later I had one, so I was classed as a, a residential alien. Wow, so I guess, would it be safe to say that anybody moving here um, should really kind of do as much research as possible to try and understand kind of the procedure for getting your social security number? Um, you know, for example, if some people haven't got, you know, like it sounds like you had a you know very helpful kind of office manager that, you know, gave you the ins and outs, but should they try and do as much research as possible or, you know, just kind of figure it out? Yes, yes. Uh, again, as much research as possible. I mean, well, I, I made the stupid mistake of, of like I said, when I, I first landed, I went into the office and I had various sort of um, laborious tasks to do, i.e. pick up um, keys and stuff for, for the rental property that I had for the first sort of three months here in the country. Um, so I had other priorities at the time. Um, but yes, I mean, if, if I... If I'd spent the 10 to 15 minutes on the on the various government websites to work out which forms I actually really needed to do, it would have saved me multiple trips. And stupidly, and again, hindsight, wonderful thing, I ended up going to these places at, at peak hours, whether that be just before work, at lunch, or just after. Um, stupid mistake, because <laughs> it took me a while to get it sorted. But yes, yeah, no, you should. I mean, it's, a, it's an easy process if you know what you're doing. Okay. And what are the, you know, kind of the next things that you, you know, people should, you know, definitely be aware of? And, you know, really, what we're trying to do is kind of make, you know, really just let people know the things that you can think about before you make that move so you can be as prepared as possible. Yeah, sure. So, um, right. So once you've managed to, to obtain a, a social security number, um, the importance of doing so um, is immense. I mean, it sounds silly, but in order to open up a, a bank account here, you require a social security number. But you can't get a social security number until you've queued up. Um, and in my instance, it took me two to three trips, um, which was probably four to five working days uh, wasted. Um, so yeah, you need that. You need all of the various forms. Once you've managed to achieve that, then you can start thinking about trying to get a, um, a proper rental property. My first um, three months here was, was done through uh, an independent rental company that didn't require any form of deposit or anything like that. They didn't need to check my credit worthiness. It was all done through my work anyway. So they, they lucky, for, lucky for me, picked up the bills. So that was no problem at all. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the importance of getting that social security number has a huge significance on a, uh, on a society that values credit ratings. Now, um, when, I, when I came across to the US, um, I, I'd left quite a reputable um, banking, um, well, I mean, you could call them um, the world's local bank, um, but I, I, I left them to join a, a smaller outfit, and not realizing um, the decision that I made, because six months later I was, I was thrusted into a different country, um, trying to open up a bank account, um, and using documentation that was completely alien to uh, the lady um, and gentleman on the other end of, of the phone or on the other end of the desk. Um, and you can imagine the frustrations because coming from a, an environment that where you have multiple accounts, multiple credit cards, um, you have direct debits uh, that are going out and all of these various things to then being asked to um, provide proof of credit worthiness and, and I'm unfortunately I wasn't able to do they didn't recognize the history that I had in the in the UK um, so it, it became challenging because in a nutshell you, you feel as though you're a 16 year old again getting your national insurance number so that was it was tough because you, you just don't realize the ramifications of all of the um, all of the the importance of of the actual number so is it I guess what you're trying to say is that what people should know is that the UK and the US credit reference agencies don't talk to one another. So when you come here, you have absolutely zero. You're almost kind of anonymous because until you've kind of got your bank account, your social security number, and really them to start seeing, you know, deposits going in and out, that that you're almost like an alien, like you said earlier on, that, you know, that social security number, again, having a bank account is so, so important to be able to start building up the credit rating because obviously, you know, you need a good credit rating to then be able to, you know, get a, a property or an apartment to rent. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the irony of all of this sort of stuff is that if I'm just a number to, to someone, whether that be a big corporate bank or the IRS, because the interesting thing about this, I know that we're doing this, we're having this discussion sort of 18 months later, but when I, I first did my tax return, the, the interesting thing about the IRS is that they're extremely interested in, in understanding what you do abroad, but yet are not willing to help and use that information when trying to obtain a credit rating here in, here in the US. So yes, <laughs> it's, uh, it's vitally important that you get that organized as soon as possible in order really just to move on and, and assume that you can, you can go about your day-to-day your -day business as you would as if you were living back in the UK. So really just for some people that might not know what the IRS is, just to kind of give you that in Lehman's terms, that's pretty much our version or the UK's version of the HMRC. Um, so kind of moving away just from kind of, you know, social security, how easy was it to get yourself set up in an apartment in term, you know, because we all know that at home you need to have a good credit rating. And obviously if you're saying that, you know, we don't have a credit rating when, when you first move here, what what are the options available to people that are trying to get that first apartment and you know really working with them even though like you say we're almost anonymous mm -hmm. I always remember someone always used to tell me that cash is king um, and I was extremely lucky enough to uh, have a successful career back in back home in London so I had a, a wage of money that I was able to, to bring out and 
the only really way to, to get around this problem is to throw money at it, which um, is a bit of pill to swallow because you, when you move to a different country, the last thing that you want to be really doing is just shelling out money for fun. Um, not only do you, oh, I get the, the language is not a problem, so that's not too much of an issue. And I understand the, the value of the, the good old American dollar, but um, you, you find yourself just spending money for fun. And the only real way that I, I managed to get on the property ladder here um, was to, um, I think I gave them three and a half months upfront rent as a security deposit. Now, admittedly, they hold that in a, a central account and you incur interest on that. But if anyone's been looking at the interest rates here in the US, they're they've been pretty dire. So um, that hasn't really um, benefited me too much. Um, but then on top of that, you've got your one month rent to pay up front as well. So depending on where you live, you, your outgoings for just finding a, a flat could be anywhere between 12 to 20,000 US dollars. Now, um, anyone making the decision to, to come out has to know that because yes, it may be the same in, in the UK if someone from the US went to the to London and tried to secure a property, but um, again, my fault being slightly naive to it, I just didn't realise it would be that much. Um, and again, yeah, you have all of the, the various strenuous uh, checks that they would like to go through. Um, again, it's it's making sure, and I learnt I learnt the hard way: always carry your passport on you all the time when, because that's a legitimate and valid. Proof of, of identity. Your UK driving license means nothing to people here in here in New York, uh, and in various other states across the US as well. It's not not viewed as a, a valid form of identification. So there are things like that where you you just have to be mindful of the fact that yeah, Louis, you're right. You're you're viewed just as an alien, and that they know very little about you. Okay, and then. Um Obviously, as many people know, the, the healthcare system here in, in the US is is not free. Um, and, you know, we've all been extremely lucky with the NHS. So kind of how how does that work and kind of what are your contributions to, to healthcare here? Um, I guess, because that's definitely something that a lot of people moving from the UK to New York aren't familiar with. And it, and it definitely takes a you know, some, some definitely, you know, getting used to and getting your head around when, when all that paperwork is kind of thrust in front of you. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, yeah, where'd you start? I always remember the first paycheck that I got uh, and I was, I was steadily scanning the, the various outgoings from it and I, I noticed all of these um, acronyms for all this sort, sort of stuff and I looked at the benefits section and, I, and it suddenly just hit me that how much you have to contribute to... Um, health scheme here. Now, touch wood, um, I haven't taken advantage of, of the healthcare system here and, and I, I wish not to do so in the, in the near future. Um, but yeah, it's, it's extraordinary how much money you actually have to contribute to that. And, the, and the, the various plans that you have access to, not only through uh, work benefits that various um, organisations will provide you anyway, but there are other schemes that you can do outside of work and net net it's it's a huge expense i mean your your premiums are, are quite sizable um so that's um that's something to consider your they have various in terms of terminology you, you basically contribute um a monetary value every month and then you have like a, a maximum out of pocket that anyone individual would have to have to pay out over a course of the year. That's if you were in, involved in a, a serious accident or 
um, maybe had to have some ongoing care that maybe may have received back home on the NHS for free. Um, so there's all those considerations to, to be had. Um, and again, that's just you as an individual. If you come out here as a family, um, there are other uh, considerations because if you're the main breadwinner, you've not only got to um, contribute to your own health care, but you've got to do so for um, your partner uh, and any children that you have as well. So it all adds up. Um, there are, are various, as we speak, there's an Obamacare that potentially may get abolished by the new um, president. Um, but again, there may be an equivalent that he pushes through, so you really don't know. But net net, it's not cheap. And <laughs> I would say for, for all of the, the Brits out here and, um, and the guys back home, you shouldn't really uh, begrudge or, or badmouth the, the National Health Service that we all enjoy back home in the UK. Um, it's great. Great. Well, I mean, those points that you've covered today, Lloyd, have been, you know, and what we hope, extremely helpful. Um, I know that myself and you, by the sounds of things, would have found something like this extremely helpful when sort of taking that leap. Um, I guess for anybody that's listening, if you do want to hear a kind of part two of this talk cast, then please leave the comments below underneath the video on YouTube or um, SoundCloud where this will be posted. And I guess just finally, if in three words, how would you describe New York in comparison to London? You know, is there a comparison? Obviously, London will always be home to you. But, you know, if you could describe New York for people that are really thinking seriously about making the move, what would you say to them? Um, the three words that I would, or the phrase that, how I would sum up my, my first 18 months here is, if I could only use three, probably something on the lines of a great adventure. Um, it's been, it has been that. I mean, like you said, you, you get thrusted into um, a new world that, um, yes, they speak the same language, um, all by a, a different version. Um, so that gets... You have to get used to that, um, but yeah, no. There's for all of the pitfalls that I, I've I've mentioned. Uh, and look, some of them are you have to accept the fact that they know very little about you, um, and I, I I would hope and and again I, I'm I would believe that it would be just as difficult for for a US citizen maybe going to to the UK and having to get on on the ladder. You know, credit ratings here you take for granted, but you need one for a mobile phone. You need one for um, a credit card. You may even need one for a prepaid card. Um, so you may need to use your own savings to put down on a, a previous card. But yeah, I mean, it's for all of that, it's been a great time. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about the country and the city. Thank you so much, Lloyd. And um, yeah, I hope you, hope you all enjoyed it, listeners.